Thank you so much for joining us today on YouTube. If you haven't already, go ahead and click that subscribe button down below so you can stay up to date with all that Church on the Hill has going on. If you haven't already, also follow us on social media, either Instagram or Facebook, both Church on the Hill and our senior pastor, Pastor Adam McCain. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the message. Hey, spiritual family. Oh, my goodness. I miss you so much. Miss Jamie and I, we love you so much. We're praying for you every moment of the day. And I just want to give you some good reports. God is doing some great things at Church on the Hill. Guys, we're having people get healed. We're having people have supernatural financial miracles in the midst of a pandemic and people are losing their jobs. God is sustaining. He's meeting us there. And I'm just so proud of you. Thank you. I thank every one of you who's been willing to uh, connect with us online in small group life. If you still haven't done that, please help. Please let us connect with you. We've, we're opening up small groups just online, just in Facebook groups and, uh, you know, group me's and, and people are just, you know, they're just getting together online. It's amazing. It really is unbelievable. We're all weeping and looking at the screen with each other, praying for each other. So please join in with us. You can go to our website and check out more about that. But anyway, I just, I just wanted you to know we love you and, and God is doing great things. In fact, you know, last week's message, I was so challenged by my own message, right? That in this time, I'm going to minimize, I'm going to minimize the fleshly. I'm going to maximize my spiritual development and I'm going to minister to others. And that was my challenge to you last week. In fact, if you didn't get to hear the message last week, go to YouTube, watch it. It's going to, I'm telling you, it's timely word for right now. And today I wanted to move into a new teaching for you um, that I, I've titled, uh, Don't Worry. Come on, say it out loud. Don't worry. Say it again. Say, don't worry. And every person from the 80s just repeated, then said, but be happy. Right, right. Sorry, millennials. Anyway. And so, but I wanted to open up this message. Uh, with just, we we got to have some Boudreaux and Thibodeau time right now. Come on. So Boudreaux and Thibodeau, they decided they were going to fly down to Florida. They'd never been on an airplane before. So they get on one of these big airplanes with a couple of prop engines on it and that kind of stuff. Man, they get up to about 20,000, 25,000 feet when all of a sudden one of the engines just goes kaput. And just stops. And Boudreaux's sitting right there on the wing. He starts losing his mind. We're going to die. We're going to die. When all of a sudden, over the intercom comes the captain. He says, ladies and gentlemen, I know many of you recognize that we've lost an engine. There are four engines on this plane and we've lost one of them. I want you to have confidence, though. This airplane is more than able to get us to our destination with only three engines. It's going to be okay. Don't worry. It's going to be okay. He says, now I will tell you this. Because we're not able to go as fast uh, because of the loss of one of the engines, it will delay us by about 30 minutes. Bujo sat back and said, whew, okay, it's good to know that we all right. Man, it wasn't 10 seconds later, pop, 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 another engine goes out on the other side. The prop stops turning. Boudreaux starts losing his mind again. The pilot comes over the, the, the intercom system. He says, ladies and gentlemen, I know many of you recognize we've lost a second engine. But I need to give you confidence. This plane is made to fly with, without those two engines. You don't worry about it. It will delay us another 30 minutes, though. But don't worry. Don't worry. 30 more minutes, an hour will be off on our times of landing. Don't worry about it. You'll be safe. Boutros leans back. He says, Thibodeau, that's a good thing right there. We, we okay. We're going to be okay. When all of a sudden the third engine goes out, when it goes out, oh, we're going to die. We only got one engine. We're going to die. We're going to die. And again, out comes the pilot over the intercom system. He says, ladies and gentlemen, please be at peace. I know that three engines scares you to death. We've lost our third engine. But I'm telling you, the engineers created this airplane to be able to fly on one engine. 
Now it will, again, throw us off by another 30 minutes. We'll be delayed in getting to our destination by at least an hour and a half. And so, you know, I'm sorry about that, but don't worry about it. We will make it. You will be safe. He goes off the intercom. Bujo turns to Thibodeau. He said, man, let me tell you something. If we lose that fourth engine, we're going to be up here all day long. Come on now. You know that was funny. That was funny right there. Turn again to the person next to you and say, don't worry. Now, we're going to study the passage of Scripture here in Luke chapter 12 and verse 22. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12 and verse 22. I'm going to read a number of pieces of Scripture because some of you, you've been watching so much Netflix stuff, you hadn't read any of the Bible. So let me read you a bunch of Bible today. <laughs> this is Jesus speaking, and look what he says. He says this to his disciples, which we are, followers of Jesus. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Come on, that's the word of the Lord right now. About your life, about what you will eat, about your body and what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Look at verse 25. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Verse 27. Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. Continuing on in verse 28. If this is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today, and then tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Verse 29. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink or how much toilet paper you do or don't have. Okay, he didn't say that, but he, he would have meant it if he was saying it in this hour. He continues on, verse 30. For the pagan world runs after such things. Boy, are they running on such things? And your father knows that you have need of them, but seek first his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Guys, I want you to know, I can't hardly get on social media right now without hearing everyone's worry. I'm telling you, people are texting and tweeting and on social media and emailing, and they are so scared and so worried. What the economy is going to fall apart in this hour? What if we run out of food? Uh, how? Are, uh, what if the truck drivers go on strike? What about this? And and in in China, they're back to having problems again. And not only that, but we're more than we've ever had in the Dallas area. Friend, can I tell you something? Do not worry. That's the word of the Lord for this hour. I don't know about you, but when people tell me that, sometimes that sounds so irresponsible, right? Do not worry. Well, that's easy for you to say. You don't know all the problems that are going on. No, just the opposite. I can say this to you because the Bible says it to you, not because I don't know about all the problems, but because I know the one who solves all the problems, because I know the one who holds the world in the palm of his hands. Friend, I tell you, worry has the ability to destroy you. It has the ability to crush you in this hour. Do you know people are so worried and so stressed out right now that they're drinking alcohol by the liters every day? <laughs> people are more drunk than they've ever been because they're worried and they just want it to go away. In fact, our, 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 our county judge said the other day that child, um, the Child Protection Agency are getting more calls than they have. Child abuse is going through the roof right now. People are so stressed out and so worried about losing their jobs and not having money and then losing their homes and that they're beating on their kids. Their kids are stressing them out. Friends, this is the time for us to be at peace. And I want to explain to you 
a little bit about the power of worry, that if you let worry dominate your life, it has the power to destroy some very key elements of your life. So let's study this today. Write notes. Take notes on this so it'll help you real good. The power of worry. The first thing that worry does, it destroys your faith in His Lordship. It destroys your faith in who He is. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and He loves you. Put your faith and your trust in Jesus, right? That's what we've done as Christians. Man, if I wasn't a Christian, I would be worried. But for you and I, worry should not be able to destroy and, 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 and hinder, if you will, our faith and our trust in the Lord. Look what it said in verse 24. Let's go back to our key passage. In verse 24, Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. You're more valuable than the birds, Jesus says. In fact, he uses the raven very specifically because in Jewish culture, there were what they considered unclean and clean animals. The clean animals were very precious to them. They were clean by way of what God you know, laid out, you know, especially when we see it in the, with the, uh, when they got on in the ark and uh, during the flood. You know, he called these clean and these unclean. And so the unclean animals, like a raven, is like at the bottom of a value chart in Jewish culture. I mean, like you can't get in that, like, oh, who cares about that animal? And Jesus uses the raven as an example that this not very valuable animal, God takes care of him. He cares about him. If God cares about the least valuable animal on the Jewish spectrum, how much more does he care about you, his created image? In fact, we've been created in his image. See, what you're letting worry do is steal and destroy your faith in His Lordship. He is Lord of Lords. He is King of Kings. Nothing, nothing can separate us from His love. And you and I need to be very careful. And, and continue on looking at verse 27. Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, how much more will He clothe you? Jesus is helping us understand. What a perfect teaching for this moment and remembrance. That, that we will be taken care of. Yes, clothes are important, and yes, food's important. But worrying about these things, worrying about these things are destroying our faith, our confidence in His Lordship. He will take care of us. I want you to shout that out right, right now. He will take care of me. Come on, say it again. He will take care of me, and then point to your kids if they're around, and He'll take care of you and you and you and you and you. That's good. It's really good. I want to teach you how to combat that for just a moment. How to combat that whole lack of trust in Jesus and His Lordship. The first thing that I would do if I was being coming worried and overtaken and worried, can God really do this? I don't know if He can. Can He fix this? Because I won't have a job going back. If that was beginning to bombard my mind, the first thing that I would do is I would look up every scripture. Every scripture about God's goodness, about how He cares for us. I'd look up every scripture on faith and trust in Him. I would look up every passage that I could find, and I would hold on to them, and I'd quote them every morning when I woke up. I'd put them on three-by-five cards, and I'd read through them. I'd write them on paper, and I'd flip the pages and quote them to myself all throughout the day. All When that worry began to overtake me, I'd start going through the Word of God. I would start, I would start holding on to it. One of, one of our, our key leaders in our church, close friend of mine, he texted me the other day, and uh, he's in an industry that is completely shut down. And he is the primary uh, you know, provider for his family. And, uh, and, 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 and he doesn't have any money. He's not coming in. 
And, uh, and he started texting me and it was a powerful text. He said, Pastor, I went to the grocery store and I bought everything I could buy. He said, I just stocked up. He said, and it was, it was a miracle because the next, that later, later on they announced that, you know, that we were going to be shut in. And so he said, I, our city started having panic. And, uh, but I had already gotten ahead of it. He said, but while I was driving home, when I was driving home that night, he said, all of a sudden I began to be overtaken by the fear that I don't have a weapon. What if everybody goes crazy and starts trying to break in and take all the food? All these, all these thoughts, just all this worry are just overtaking him. He said, immediately he heard the voice of the Lord. He heard, he heard Psalms 25 and Psalms 91. And he said, I kind of mashed them together, Pastor, and I've been quoting them. And let me read to you what he put to me. He says, I, quote, I put those two together and then I say it like this. The Lord is my shield and my protector. In Him shall I trust. He said, I've just been quoting it. I just, and the peace of God is there. The strength of God is there. Why? Because He is my Lord and Savior. Don't let anything steal your faith in Him. Here's a second big thing that worry does. It subverts peace. Write that down. It subverts peace. It literally tries to keep you from being at peace. Worry will subvert your peace. Guys, we're believers. In fact, our Savior, Jesus Christ, one of His key characteristics is peace. In fact, we call Him the Prince of Peace. Why? Because He brings peace into our lives because we no longer have to worry about the end of this world or the end of life because we're safe in the palm of His hand. And one of the things that worry does is steal that peace. It subverts it. You and I should be at peace. In fact, one of the key things that separates us from the world is that while they are all losing their mind, worried and insecure and fighting and spitting amongst each other, you and I can be at peace. Why? Because Jesus, our Lord and Savior, has provided for us and always will make a way of escape for us, the Bible says. In fact, the Apostle Paul, every one of the letters he wrote, every one of the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote, he put this statement. He opened up in the salutation, if you will. He always said it like this. May grace and peace be upon you. May the grace and peace of God rest upon you. Every one of his books. It was a common salutation with people in Jewish culture and even the Greeks of the time. But Paul took a little twist on it and he used a different Greek word for grace. It was the karos. The, the, the unwarranted, the undeserved favor of God. May the undeserved favor of God be upon you. And that then should bring you peace is what he says to every one of the people he wrote to. May the un, unwarranted, undeserving favor of God be upon you. Not just that we get to go to heaven, but that his favor rests upon us now when others are hurting, when others don't have, when others don't know what to do, when others don't have direction, when other, when others are scared to death. We cannot, we can rest the fact in the fact that his favor is upon us. He will provide for us. Why? Because he says it very clearly in his word that he will provide for every one of our needs according to his riches and glory. The peace of God should guide us and should uh, propagate in us, especially during hardship when everyone else doesn't know which way to turn. You and I have the answer and the solution. One of, one of the great families in our church, amazing leaders in our church, um, in the midst of all of this corona stuff, their ch one of their children literally um, was rushed to the hospital. Uh, their, their appendix um, ruptured, and uh, so they find themselves at the hospital. They're texting us, we're at the hospital with our child. We're like, are you okay? Did you get coronavirus? What? And they said, no, 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 our child's appendix ruptured. Can you imagine the pain that that little girl's in? And then, have you been to a hospital in the last couple of weeks? I mean, they're in full-on, you know, 
triage concept. I mean, they're only taking the most difficult uh, situations and, you know, they're all in full on mask and gloves and sanitization everywhere. And, you know, you've heard, you know, the medical uh, personnel uh, uh, around the nation say we're trying to empty the beds as quickly as we can because as the virus ex expands, you know, we've got to get people help and we've got to get everyone else out. And so, you know, as this, um, as this uh, appendix and this little girl ruptured, um, obviously, you know, it it created um, an abscess and that abscess needed to be drained. And so they were draining the abscess and they were trying to get it all taken care of. And finally they got to a place where she was okay. And, uh, and they told the mom, okay, you can take her home. And uh, mom said, no, I don't have peace on that. I feel like I want y'all to run some more tests. They're like, no, no, she's fine. We've got to clear the beds out. And she said, no, no, I, mama bear kicked in. No, no, I don't have the peace of God on that. I feel like, and this is a woman of God. She, she told me, she'll, She'll tell you the word of God quick. This woman knows the word. Amazing woman of God. She says, no, I want you to run another sonogram. And they said, no, we got it all. She's fine. They said, no. And finally they gave in to her. They ran another sonogram and guess what they found? Another abscess. You know, they found another one. And had they sent that little girl home and had she become toxic, it would have been life-threatening. But mama didn't have the peace of God to go home. Why? Because the peace of God you can only have the peace of God when you're not worried about all the other things that's going on in the world around us. Don't let worry steal your peace. Don't let it subvert your peace. Walk in the peace of God. So how would I combat if I was in a situation right now where I'm like, Pastor, I don't have any peace. I'm worried. I'm, I'm anxious. I'm, I'm stressed out. First and foremost, I'd wake up every day and I'd pray peace over me and over my family. Father, I pray the peace of God over us right now. Lord, I know who you are. I, I trust you, Lord, and I just speak peace over my life. I call forth peace. Paul did. He said, I speak peace over you. I, I speak the grace and peace of God. Every, every one of his epistles, I speak the grace and peace of God over you. Why would we not do that over ourselves and let peace reign? That'd be the first thing. And the second thing I would do is I would capture every thought and make it obedient. The Bible teaches us. Take every, every thought captive. Make it obedient to Christ. No, I will not worry about that. I will not be scared that my child uh, will be illiterate because, you know, they're, they're seven years old and they're not learning, learning to read as well as they should because now I'm trying to homeschool. I would take every thought captive and say, nope, my God will supply all my needs according to His riches. My God will overtake all the plans of the enemy. I will be blessed and will be favored in the midst of difficulty. I will be at peace because my Lord will lead me and guide me in all His ways. Are you with me today? Say yes. All right, here's the third power that we don't want to give, give away, but the power that, that, uh, that worry can have over our life, and that is, number three, it paralyzes advancement. This is critical. It paralyzes advancement. Because see, I've been challenging you that this is a moment for the church. This is a moment for you as a believer. This is a moment in time to advance forward. But worry will paralyze that advancement. Look what Jesus said in this passage in verse 25 of this whole Luke chapter 12. He says, And who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? You're worrying and worrying and worrying, and you can't even add a single hour. What I believe he's pointing to is a truth. And that truth is that worry steals potential productivity in our life. You're spending so many hours worrying that you're wasting. Those hours could have been productive hours. They could have been hours that you advanced. Think about how much time you have spent watching the news. How much time you have spent worrying about what this podcast guy said or what this person posted. And you're right. I mean, there are so many conspiracy theories right now going out there. And you're thinking, you know, that the aliens are doing this to, to kill off. You're thinking that, you know, uh, that somehow the, the Russians are involved in all this to kill off Americans. You're listening to all this mess, worrying about spending all this time 
Why are you wasting time? Now's the time to advance. I, I picture it like this. We're on this highway with Jesus. Pandemic hits. Everybody's worried. Everyone around us is talking about it. Everyone's scared to death. And if we get involved in that worry, if we let that worry overtake us, we'll miss the exit that Jesus has for us. And he'll say, over here, quick, take this exit. And it'll be an exit of, of advancement. I'm believing in the midst of this, even though some of you have lost your jobs, that this is going to be the moment that God's going to give you a creative idea, that God's going to give you an opportunity, a person to call to network with, a person to, to, to reach back out to and say, listen, I, I don't know. Uh, I got so busy in the profession I was in, and I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I, I had enough time to sit here. I feel like God told me to call you. And it's going to end up being one of those moves that you're going to look back on, that your grandkids are going to look back on and say, it was in the midst of that that my grandparents heard from the Lord, my grandmother heard from the Lord, and she made this decision, my grandfather made this decision, and it changed our whole family lineage. Can I tell you, I was in one of those moments five years ago. I was in one of those moments. I had become so consumed with worry. You know what I was worried about? I was worried about being a failure. I had been, I had been somewhat, if you will, popular, successful, traveling and preaching around the nations of the world. I was, I was being very successful in running a Bible school here locally and just loved every moment of it. And the Lord said, I want you to take all of that, let it go, and I want you to, get in, I want you to put all your attention on Church on the Hill. I thought, well, Lord, I, what if it doesn't work? We were a small group of people. Lord, what if it doesn't work? I got so worried about it not working. I got so worried that I gave away all my influence and now I have no influence. I got this small group of people. And, and, and what, if, what if they don't like me? What if, what if what, and every time a family would, would leave our church, I would like, see, I'm a failure. And this worry began to consume me and consume me and consume me. And, and opportunities would come and I wouldn't see them. And I couldn't see them because I was so concerned with being a failure, so worried about what was happening in real time that I couldn't see the plans that Jesus was trying, the advancement he was trying to give me. And I'm telling you, finally, the Lord helped me. He slapped me upside the head and he said, stop it. And just love who's standing right there in front of you. And I began to put my whole heart and, and I stopped worrying about failing. And we didn't have a building. And I stopped worrying about what we didn't have. And I started being grateful for what we did have. And I started reaching out to more people. And this thing exploded. We got a building. And here we are with multiple campuses now. Here we are advancing the gospel online. Guys, I want you to know something. I almost missed my moment. Like we talked about last. I, almost, I was so paralyzed with worry that I almost didn't advance. And that's where some of you are going to be if you don't make a shift right now. Maybe God wants you to write something. Maybe God wants you to sing something. Maybe He wants you to learn something new. Stay off of all of these worry sites and get yourself back focused on how you can advance the things of God. And that brings me to the fourth piece that I see worry doing in people's lives in Scripture. And number four is that it empowers selfishness. It empowers selfishness. It is crazy. Jesus, as we just quoted in uh, Luke chapter 12 and uh, in, in verse 22, he opens up that piece of passage with, don't worry. The passage above verse 22, Jesus tells a parable. So let's look at Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. Look what he says. He says, he tells them a parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all, the, all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. In verse 20, but God said to him, you fool. 
This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Verse 21, and Jesus says it like this, This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. In these moments, especially during the midst of a pandemic, one of the things that worry will do to you, it will cause you to become so self-focused, so selfish. I need it. It's mine. i got to have it for me. Just like this guy said. In this story, Jesus tells, God blesses this man. That's what's implied here. And calls his ground to produce harvest, 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 harvest. And as this is happening, something shifts from him. So you got to understand, this man is a business owner, which means he has employees. Which means those employees are benefiting. As God is blessing this man's business, the employees are benefiting. Their families are being taken care of. And then he has this moment of selfishness where he says, you know what? I've got so much I don't even need it, but you know what I'm going to do? I want it. I don't need it, but I want it. So I'm going to build bigger barns to store up from myself so I never, ever, ever, ever have to work again, so I never have to believe again. I never need another miracle, and I will just sit back. I'll eat and drink and be merry and not have to. Is that not what many have proposed to us is the American dream. And God says, no, 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 that's not my dream. No, 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 that's not who, what I'm about. You fool, that's dumb. That's dumb for you to act this way. Because the moment this man stops his business and sits back and just wants to live off of the blessings of God, he stops being a conduit. He stops being a conduit to help others, which is God's plan for all of our lives. See, God wants to bless us so we can be a blessing. He wants to give to us so we can help others. Surely there should be enough for us and our needs and our family's needs. And then the excess, act, the excess we can help with others. We can use what we have to help others. And because this man went against that core principle of who God is. Because what did God do? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. See, you and I may be in difficult times, but I promise you there's someone in more difficult times. And you and I may have hardship right now, but there's somebody else that's even having more difficult hardships in their lives. And God has positioned us to help others. This is a key component that worry steals from us. See, we get to worrying, and so then we can't share. We get to worrying about what's ours and what we got, and we start being selfish, and we become self-focused, and we literally stop the economy of God. See, God's economy is based on He gives and we share. He gives and we share. And as we share, that's God's working in their life. And that stops his economy when we say, it's mine, and I'm going to take care of myself. And I would challenge you, do not let worry make you selfish. God will supply your needs according to his riches. And friend, I'll tell you, he'll make your ground grow more. He'll make it grow more and more and more and more when no one else's is growing. If you and I will be those who continue to help others. I want to take a moment and I want to pray against this worry in all of our lives. In fact, right where you're at, I want you just, wherever you're sitting, nobody's around, you're not in public. I want you to just close your eyes with me. I want you to lift one hand. Father, I pray for every person connected to Church on the Hill right now in Jesus' name. I pray that worry would lose its power in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for the peace of God to infiltrate their bedroom, their home, their living room, wherever they're at right now, their car. Lord, the peace of God to overtake them. And they can literally feel your peace coming over them. And Lord, I pray right now that every man and woman connected to our church will begin to refute worry. We'll begin to refute, say, no, I will not worry. I will not doubt. I will not be full of fear and insecurity. Father, I thank you right now that your faith, Lord God, would speak 
stir in us and we would come back to a complete trust in you. No, not foolish, not ignorant, but trust knowing that you will take care. I pray for creative ideas. I pray for solutions, Lord God. As we get out of the worry, we can then hear and you can advance us, Lord God. I pray for businesses to advance, new businesses to come online. I pray right now in Jesus' name, Lord God, that new creative talents would arise in the midst of this hardship, Lord God, because we are at peace and we can hear your voice nudging us, saying, no, 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 don't you take her home. You make them run that test again. No, 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 don't you sit there and watch all that on TV. I want you to go and I want you to learn that guitar because I got songs to come from you. No, 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 no. Don't you sit there and be scared about how, you, how I'm gonna provide for you. I'm gonna give you a business idea right now. Go research this on the web. Look at this thing and he's gonna give us downloads and plans. Father, I thank you for peace that surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' name. Now, I want to pray for anyone in the, that's connected with us right now that might would say, Pastor, i got to be honest. I don't have peace, and I am worried. And I'm worried because, uh, because I'm not a Christian. And I know that if I died today, I wouldn't go to heaven. Friend, I would be worried too if I was in that situation. In fact, I used to be in that situation. I was worried. And I didn't even understand it all. I didn't understand that Jesus died for me. I didn't understand that, that I was going to die one day and have to give an account for my life and, and, uh, until someone explained that to me. And I would encourage you that, um, that Jesus loves you. In fact, maybe you're sitting there today and you say, well, Pastor, how do I become a Christian? What do, what do I do? How, do? how do I get right with God? Well, the Bible says it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. See, the reason I have peace, because I know that I'm going to die. But when I die, I'm confident that I'll be welcomed into His arms. Not because I'm perfect, because I'm forgiven. You say, well, how do I get forgiven? Well, I just told you. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. See, what that is is making Him the Lord of your life by way of confession, profession of your faith in Him. And if you want that today, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. A simple prayer of repentance, a simple prayer of dedication, a simple prayer of professing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if that's you, you say, Pastor, that's me right now, and I'd like to pray with you. I want you to, I want you to repeat these, this prayer with me. I want you to mean it from the depths of your heart. There's nothing magical about the words. What's supernatural is you're saying, yeah, I want God. I want God in my life, and I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. So pray, pray this prayer with me, just like this. Like this say, say, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner, and I recognize I've sinned against you. But I ask you now to forgive me. Wash me clean of my sin. Jesus, I accept the grace that you are giving. Jesus, I declare you are my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Put my name in your book of life because I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. Let the peace of God rest over you now. Can I just explain to you that you now are right with the Lord? You say, that sounds so easy. I know, right? That's because all the heavy lifting was done 2,000 years ago. He climbed up on that cross and died for you and me. He paid for it all. And now we can walk in grace and peace. May God's grace and His peace be upon you from this day forward. I love each and every one of you, and we'll see you next service. Hey, guys, wasn't that a great word today? You know, I'm so thankful that the word isn't limited to a Sunday morning at a certain time or the four walls of the church building, but it can go through whatever time you may be watching this, wherever venue you might be at. The word of God can minister to you no matter where you are. 
You know, if you're interested in partnering with what Church on the Hill is doing, not only locally, but globally, you say, I really want to invest with that, with Church on the Hill in advancing kingdom business. And you can do so by partnering with us by sending a donation to P.O. Box 3815, Cedar Hill, Texas, 75106. Hey guys, we love you. We look forward to seeing you again.